What's up, everybody? Welcome in to a, I would say, long-awaited edition, but I mean, we've been doing post-games. But this is the first SSPN Live we've done, I think, since... There might have been one where we did like one of our debrief episodes was live. I was looking at that. I think I saw one other live that had like this branding on it, the hemisphere logo before I'm uh, when I made that at the beginning of the year. Um, and then the one before that was Zach's extension. Um, so I believe there was one in there between. But the, the, the last time we might have done an SSPN live, Ethan, might have been during Zach's extension. Wow. Kind of ironic. Uh, considering his play as of late, but uh, yeah. it's good to be back in here with these. I like lives better, honestly, than the the original like post type videos. No, for sure, for sure. I do like the recaps sometimes, but it's it's good to get back and just be talking with the people. Um, but with that being said, Ethan, we have some stuff to talk about uh, from last night and before um, that game or after our last live that we did, the last post game that we did, um, we had a conversation about what we were going to do for our next couple games and which games we were going to stream and whatnot and our schedules. And we could have done last night. We could have stayed up late and done it. Um, but I'm very glad that we decided to do this instead. Um, because <laughs> I think uh, the analysis may have... I mean, it wasn't really going to be top tier anyway because of the game, but when you factor in that it was an 8.30 tip central mm-hmm. time um i <laughs> that would have been a, a tough episode to make it through yeah tired and emotional is not a great blend <laughs> when you're trying to, to to deal out like you know analysis if you will so i'm, I'm glad we waited to we're in a better state of mind too. yes because that would have just been like you said that wouldn't have been the best mix but we are still going to talk about the game so let's jump into it um oh that's their schedule thought i had it pulled up here we go so you know ethan in the last post game i challenged the team to keep it close with under five minutes left and we essentially got a repeat of the 123 to 87 game that we saw earlier in this year now with this being said we are the bottom team in the west and okc is number one right now Mm -hmm. so this is what is supposed to happen um but I don't want to keep harping on this, but even even with the struggles that we saw in the Sixers game, like that was only a 10-point loss despite Joel Embiid scoring 70. And then even with the Wizards game not being that pretty, Ethan, um, you know, that still resulted in a win. And it still kind of felt like for the most part, although there have been a little bit of bumps in the road, um, since that Bucks game, the Bucks and the Cavs loss where we played them close, um, it, it seemed like we'd been playing better ball now, with that with being said, I keep getting you can take sorry, on any road. I keep getting these ads just blasting in my headphones from ESPN. Sorry, <laughs> um, but going back to what I was saying um, last night, basically, you know, it, it was as much as it was the bottom team in the West versus the top team in the West. With how we'd been playing, um, I, I think it was a disappointing performance for sure. Yeah, there's a couple reasons why it's disappointing. I think it's important to realize what you said. Overall, since the Bucks game, we've been trending upwards, albeit gradually, we have been getting slightly better. I think most of that improvement is offensively. Defensively, we still can't stop anybody, especially, I mean, I almost said talented guards, but we saw what MB did. He's a talented big, so we, we can't stop anybody. Uh, if you're a good player, you're going to get easy baskets at the room against the Spurs, especially when Webby's on the bench. Um, it just is what it is, and that's part of being a young team. Um, but offensively, we have seen some improvements, and so disappointment's going to be up. But another reason it's disappointing is because OKC is one of our biggest rivals. Uh, for years, we were evenly matched in the in the second round of the conference finals for you know Tim Duncan versus Kevin Durant, etc. When they were the Young Thunder, and they're still technically a young team, Jude, but they're still first in the conference. It, but it's all technicalities, you know, because they've been together for a couple of years now. Like, we are where they were two years ago, um, and we're still younger than them. They, they've had more time to develop, more time to gel, figure out their chemistry. And they were a pretty good team last year. All they did is add a Chet Holmgren and a Cason Wallace to that roster, who are two talented players. And Chet Holmgren had a full year of rehabilitation and, and NBA-level training. So... 
you're right. Black and white, analyzing this, just the facts, we should lose this game. Um, and I'm not surprised that we did lose. But it's a rivalry. It's Chet versus Wemby. You would have hoped it would have been closer. Yeah, and, and, and tying back into what I was saying earlier, with the way that we had been playing, um, mm-hmm. even though we gave up 70 to Joel, um, that that is another thing that just kind of added insult to injury, mm-hmm. if you will, which is why I actually challenged them and felt like it might be semi-realistic that we could be competitive in this game. Um, and you could argue through the first half that that it was semi-competitive, mm-hmm. um, but really when you look at that third quarter, Ethan, um, and you know the, the one thing that obviously Trey Jones didn't play, mm-hmm. we, we do need to talk about that, but Blake Wesley went five for five. I mean, you know, I know you could look at the plus minus and say minus seven did have four turnovers technically, but 12 and six. I mean, if you just if you ignore the box score and you just watched the game last night from Blake, like so much of his potential showed. And I think Pop put it really well in the postgame presser. I don't remember exactly what he said, like word for word, but it was essentially along the lines of like, look, Blake's a really young kid. So he's going to go out there and there's going to be some things that he does where where there are mistakes. But everything that we asked him to do game plan wise, like here's your three things that you points of emphasis for you tonight, because we have to throw you in and you have to start. Mm -hmm. He said that he tried to do all of those things um, and he was very happy with his performance. Um, And I know you were texting me last night during the game. I was texting you. I was texting some other Spurs fan friends of mine and Blake really stuck out, I think, to everybody. So since Blake Wesley, you know, you've really been leading this charge, Ethan. You've been reminding people, you know, early in the season where people were talking about trading for point guards. Hey, we do have this other guy. I know he's still developing in the G League. Um, but yeah, just I'm going to give you the floor. What are your thoughts on on Blake Wesley's performance last night? Yeah, I've been a fan of him for a while. Not to, not to toot my own horn, but every time he had a bad game last year and in the beginning of this year, I kept reminding myself of what he was able to do not only in the summer league as a rookie, but in that first opportunity he got against the Bulls as a rookie last year, where he really was the reason we were able to win that game. I don't remember the exact game, but if you go back, it was his first game where he had meaningful minutes, and he was a big part of that win. Um, And then defensively, I feel like his effort has always been there. It's just been silly mistakes that have gotten him in the doghouse with Pop and not gotten him opportunities at this level. but he has played himself in, into into this role, man. And I think as a backup point guard for Trey Jones, it's a perfect opportunity for him to learn. Still at a slow pace. I don't expect him to get crazy minutes, but 15 to 20 to be a defensive menace, basically, and, and just make the right play. I, you mentioned the four turnovers, sure, but before that he basically had one or zero turnovers in all those games with meaningful minutes at the backup spot. And we can't ignore the perfect five for five, the 12 points, four rebounds, six assists. And he hit the one three that he took. And if you just watch the first half, I know it's kind of a mute point considering that he'll just finish with 32 and 10. Uh, and, and obviously, he's an extremely talented player, top five in the MVP caliber, MVP voting, all that jazz. But if you watch that first half defensive highlights of Blake Wesley, he was giving him bits. Like he was able to stay in front of Shea and not foul swipe at the ball, not foul, and, and keep his hands up, keep his verticality, and really fight with him strength-wise. Like, he wasn't getting pushed around on the block by Shea Gilbert-Alexander. He was giving opportunities for the weak side defender to come over and make blocks. I think Wemby had a couple blocks on Shea early um, just because of that. Maybe even Zach Collins, I think he had a block, if I'm remembering correctly, on very similar plays where uh, Blake West was just able to stay in front of guys because – his athleticism and his incredible quickness laterally and vertically. I don't know if vertically is the right way to put that, but up and down the court. Uh, he can make it up and down the court with the best of them. Dude, he might be one of the fastest dudes. Um, and there was a play where he actually lost the ball. I don't know if he just missed his dribble up or if someone poked it loose, but he got a steal and he took it coast to coast. And you texted me about it. Um, if he can hone that ability and really become a solid finisher and work on his control, I think he's been working on it. It, it seems to have gotten better from last year, but if he can just perfect that, he's going to be impossible to guard in the full court because he's so unbelievably quick. And he has surprising athleticism. He can get up with the best of them. Um, so I've been impressed with him. I think he deserves that backup spot, depending on how long Trey Jones is out. 
maybe we'll see a couple more flashes where he could be a significant, impactful player in this lineup. Yeah, um, I, I liked a lot of what I saw from him last night. Um, and what we've been seeing from him in the backup point guard role over the past couple games. Um, I think this just all but confirmed that, you know, we need to be giving him, like you said, 15, 20 minutes a night. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise. He probably will stay probably under 20 um, mm-hmm. once he's back to the bench, if we're just being realistic. Yeah. Um, but had to talk about him with Trey's absence. But the reason I brought that up in the first place, place Ethan, is because I was leading into the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, we did break the third quarter winning streak um, with with Trey Jones in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. But still, I was just kind of making that parallel because really, if you look at the fourth quarter is a little bit of a wash because it was garbage time. I would kind of yeah. throw that one out. But in comparison to the other two where we only lost by single digits um, yeah. in the first and second quarter. And obviously, this is oversimplifying things when it comes to just roster talent and everything we talked about at the beginning of the episode. But if you had to point out one thing that sticks out like a sore thumb on the box score, it's 37 to 24 mm-hmm. in the third quarter. And that is also that goes back to the other thing we were kind of talking about at the beginning of this. And that's that it it, it was it kind of felt like a reverted um, type of game to the stuff that we saw at the beginning of the season and what did that consist of getting blown out in third quarters. And that's what Mm -hmm. happened in the third quarter of this one. Yeah. It's a lack of focus, Jude. And that's, again, it's a symptom of being a young team. Uh, We may have gotten caught up in the hype a little bit of the Wemby versus Chet. I think Wemby, he played a really solid game. I don't want to take anything away from him. Um, 24 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, four blocks. But you could tell at times he was kind of in his head. I need to take this personally and put like, he tried to dunk on Chet a couple times. Like he can make those dunks and like, he ha- does he, if he makes them, I'm not saying this, but you could tell that like the game plan kind of went out the window for everybody, including him where he decided to make it a personal vendetta. Um, once the game got kind of out of hand and you would hope that they, they would focus in and, and, and try and make a run, But I think once OKC kind of jumped out ahead of us in that third quarter, every shot was falling. Shea, the all-star, is taking over. It becomes like, well, whatever. We're going to lose. Let's just let Webby kind of try and poster Chet every time down. And they were going back and forth. Like, I don't want to harbor too much on that. And maybe I'm overthinking it. But it just seemed like a lack of focus and and an immaturity that um, I think we had hoped we'd gotten past at this point in the season. Yeah, it's it's tough to balance because like you you didn't say anything wrong there, but mm. the other thing that's a big thing is it's like we're probably going to get frustrated like regardless yeah. of if it's the Thunder against the first team in the West, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Like that definitely factors in, but I feel like, you know, you kind of saw that even in the Bucks game a little bit with Wemby with Wemby going at Giannis. You know what I mean? And and in the Joel game too. As much as that, you know, <laughs> all you think about is 70 points and it feels like Joel yeah. just dominated. Yeah. Both of those games were 10 points and under. You know, that the Bucks game was a 4-point loss and even though we ended up losing by 10 in the Sixers game, that was a game that was a single digit game late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So it's like and and you saw Wemby go after both of those guys in that game. Um mm-hmm. And and I think that's why this speaks to a bigger, just, you know, rough team performance. But also, you know, when we consider the other matchup we saw, and not to just say this at nauseum, but the Thunder being the best team in the West um, as of right now, um, record-wise at least, you know, obviously you can, <laughs> you can have your opinions. If if you're going to sit me gun to my head right now, I'm, I'm still picking the Nuggets to come out of the West. Same, but, same. but you know what I'm saying. Um, I just think they're a bad matchup for us too in in the way that they're built. Um, What has been our biggest issue all year, Ethan, defensively, you could say? I mean, there's a lot, but one thing that really sticks out, I'm going to answer the question, even though I asked you, is giving up wide open threes. Yeah. And think about, let's let's roll up the numbers because I don't even need to see the numbers to know how much of a snipe fest it was for them after watching it last night. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Okay. Um, Who am I forgetting? Yeah. Aaron Wiggins, that was who I knew. There was somebody off the bench that killed us. Obviously, Isaiah Joe, he got three there too. You have two from Case and Wallace, so let's add that up. I mean, that's nine threes from those guys off the bench. And then 
<laughs> throw in Kenrick Davis and Jalen Williams. I mean, Jalen Williams only played 11 minutes, but he hit two threes. I mean, look at that off the bench, mm. 45% in total. Um, and obviously that some uh, Lou Dort went 0 for 5, but I mean, look at these other guys that are shooting. Like Aaron Wiggins had 22, man, on 9 for 11. Like mm. that's as much as, you know, like I don't want to disrespect the bench of of the Thunder. Like you can't let that happen. Like that's the one that really sticks out to me. But obviously Kaysen and Isaiah Joe did their thing as well. Mm. Um, 45% from them. 18 for 40 overall. It almost it felt like a lot more than that. But still, Ethan, if we scroll down to us, they doubled the amount of threes, um, and and only took eight more, you know, mm-hmm. um, that we had. So, not a recipe for success defensively. No, and and at the end of the day, you're right about Wemby. Like, I want that mindset. Like, you want that mindset when when games are close. I guess the immaturity thing really comes down to the team. Overall, like you were saying, the team had a sense of immaturity in that third quarter, especially. We couldn't couldn't respond when they were hitting all those threes, like you said. Um, and just just to point out the obvious, I know someone in the comments will eventually bring this up if we don't say it. Really rough game from Keldon. Again, uh, seven points, minus 32 in the box score, not a single rebound. Uh, didn't hit a three, 0 for 2. Like... 19 minutes of play like that. That's the immaturity that we're talking about. Like he, he's the guy we paid average 22 last year. We need, we need you to be that six man that you're in the role right now, step up and make some baskets. And he was unable to do so. And Jeremy as well. Jeremy had a bad game scoring yeah. at least. And, and he had a pretty good game against Philly. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. um, nothing crazy, but, but not like tonight. I was pulling up just some of the team stats here for you guys yeah. to see. Obviously, we got out-rebounded on the offensive and defensive boards. And, of course, overall, they out-assisted us. They had four more steals than us. We did have more blocks than them, but that kind of helps when you have Wemby. Uh, we had more turnovers. Um, a look at the difference in points off turnovers. That's actually kind of ironic. <laughs> we beat the crap out of them there, but <laughs> they beat the crap out of us in general, so it doesn't matter. Had more points in the paint. They actually had more fouls than us, um, and their lead got up to 32 at one point. Um, they just play play with way more tenacity and, and physicality yes. defensively, dude. Like, I part of me is like we get more foul calls than most people, but I think that's just because I'm a Spurs fan, and anytime we get foul calls, I'm upset about it. But like, and that's mainly like, Wemby too. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it just feels like we're letting guys into the paint. And when you let guys into the paint, like, sure, Wemby's there. He's going to clean up a lot of those messes, but we're going to mess up the double. Oh, this is something we texted about. We don't know how to double team. Thank you for saying this. We do not know how to double team. And you can tell, it doesn't matter if he's a big or a guard. Embiid killed us. We send a double team, he kicks out, or he overpowers us, or he hits his little 15-foot jumper. And then Shea Gilgis, probably a better example because he's not as powerful and big, so he does have to use his passing and skill more often. Um, but like we don't understand that when you send a double team, someone has to rotate, and we all have to sprint out and, and and close out properly. Blake was able to do it, and at times, you know, guys like Chetty can do it, Devin a little bit, but it got chaotic. Like we would send the double, and it became a sporadic, you know, chase to find who was open, and that's how they got so many wide open threes. And at the end of the game, they could easily just barely move the ball, pump fake, and we were all jumping for joy, everybody, top to bottom. So. That's something that we're going to have to figure out, obviously, because if the other team has just a decent score, it, it's wraps. Yeah, uh, we we don't know how to rotate off a double team, like you said, and that's just gonna that's gonna lead to open looks, and that that's that's probably one of the um, what's the word? One of the causes of of us leaving wide open shooters so much. Yeah, and they're always the good shooters. <laughs> hey, and Greg Greg points it out perfectly in the comments. Shout out Greg Castillo from Spurs versus everybody. He says, I love how we double team just to leave shooters like Isaiah Joe or Kaysen Wallace wide open. It's a bold strategy. Let's see if it works for him, Colin. <laughs> and that's five threes from both of those guys on top yep. of four from Aaron Wiggins. <sighs> yeah, it's tough, man. It is, it is. But 
you brought up something else, and I, and I want to talk about it. You know, I we're gonna get to previewing the Blazers in Minnesota, but with the way this episode is gone, I kind of felt like this would be a good time to bring this up. Um, our man Rain in the comments says, "Rough game for Kelton." You mentioned it a little while ago, and that was something that I wanted to bring up um, in today's episode too. I wanted to talk about him and Zach. We already talked about Blake. That was another person I wanted to talk about. Um, obviously, we talked about the positive things for Blake. And I think Keldon and Zach, um, this is obviously going to be a little more negative. Um, this was just another Celtics game from Keldon. And when you get blown out in the way that you did and you're paying him $20 million, you, you just got to see more. I know he had the two bounce back games that we saw. I was about to go look at the box scores from some of the other ones just to remind myself on how he did after those two. I think there might have been like one or two games after that. But still... It, this year and and at this point in the season now, you know, it's January 25th, 2024. It's, you know, I love Keldon to death and I love a lot of things that he brings to this team and his play style and and the way that he started the game, Ethan. I actually really loved. We were when we first brought him off the bench, we were just like, "All right, everybody clear out. Keldon's going to like almost slowly walk it up the floor and then we're going to run. I mean, we're it may have just been a pick and roll, but it was like a set play at the same time." like with with shooters spaced in certain positions on the floor, you know, like it was everybody, you know, and even guys would move, you know, there'd, there'd be pre-motion before the pick and roll um, to kind of set up those shooters. And there were times where, you know, there was one play where Keldon brings it up, you know, he comes off a Zach screen and then immediately Shetty, who was in the right corner, cuts on a back door. Keldon mm-hmm. has a beautiful dish on a bounce pass that leads to an up and under layup from Shetty. And before that, you just had a pick and roll where he just barreled to the rim and went and got a bucket. And after that, you didn't really see too many other positive things from him, unfortunately. Yeah, it was tough pickets for Keldon Johnson. And he's one of my favorite players, and I love him to death for what he was able to do for us last year. I still think he's capable of being a terrific scorer off the bench. Part of his problem is I'm going to go back to what LaMarcus Aldridge actually said in the All the Smoke podcast about Victor Wimanyama. I think it also applies probably more so to Keldon Johnson. He doesn't really have a go-to move. Like he, If we need a basket... Like sure he's a scorer, but what's he gonna do? Like I, I honestly don't know. Like is yeah. he gonna come off a screen? Is he gonna take a guy off a dribble? Like it's really a layup. That's not a go-to move. Like you need something that's a guaranteed basket, and that's not always the case. Um, I used to think we could post him up on smaller defenders because his right hand hook is sort of good, but we never do that. So, and why would we post him up when we have guys like Victor or Sohan? available to do the same thing i don't know but he needs to figure that out quick i don't know if it's a mid jumper to an extent devin's go-to move is like a really tough shot it needs to be simpler and now i'm getting in the weeds but that's my statement what were you gonna say no you're good i'm just laughing at greg's comment here and i just pulled up Keldon's stats as as you can see um and, and it actually, I didn't even realize in the freaking Atlanta game that that was two bad games in a row. And I watched that. I just totally forgot that he went one for 11 in that game. Mm-hmm. That's, I totally forgot about that. And that was another game that even though we got blown out, we were able to get ourselves back in it. And if he has a normal Keldon night, that might be a win. Yeah. Um, you can even, as, as much as it sounds crazy to say, you can say that for the Philly game too because that was another thing. I, I couldn't exactly remember his performance there. Um, but, you know, I praised him after the Charlotte and Washington games in our past two, uh, in our post game for the Washington game um, because of the bounce back. And unfortunately, since then, we've reverted. And another thing that I noticed too is that even Malachi got 28 minutes last night. Keldon only got 19. Um, And maybe that was just, you know, pop sending a message with, with the way that he was playing. Um, And it, and, and, and maybe a little bit of that has to do with it being a blowout and, and throwing Malachi out there for most of the fourth quarter. I'm sure that does distort it a little bit because if Malachi gets eight, nine minutes in the fourth quarter because of the scenario, then, you know, you take off eight, nine minutes and he's at the same minute total as Keldon, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. So those do factor in a little bit, but that's still 
you know, obviously Blake getting more makes sense because he was a starter. Um, but just just interesting mm. that he only got 19 minutes last night. Yeah, uh, it could be a message. I, I really don't. I mean, he wasn't playing well enough to leave him in the game. Right. I know right. that. And if you're looking for playmaking, Malachi Branham. And honestly, if you're looking for a guy that can make one move, one dribble pull-up score, it's Malachi Branham. Yeah. Um, that's never been Kelton's specialty. I, I don't know what the fix is, Jude. It feels like at, at first I thought being a six-man would have been, would be great for him, but I feel like he has to play off of a guy that's ball-dominant. Well, look, look at since we've kind of moved him to the six-man role, I'm pretty sure that's around the Portland game. Maybe I'm a little bit off on that i can't remember i can't remember either we're such good hosts but look (laughs) but look at like from memphis from memphis to the uh chicago game right as much as as much as he didn't have a great game in charlotte it's like okay we're blowing them out anyway Mm -hmm. so that one doesn't really matter and all the other ones even though they're not crazy like you could say even in the milwaukee game if he would have had a a little bit of a better game you could scoring wise and shooting Mm -hmm. wise you could you know say that that would have helped a lot but he still got 10 boards in that game, you know? Yeah. Um, and then these, you know, Detroit and Cleveland, that's kind of around what you want, even though it's, you know, nothing crazy from your six man. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of wild to see this. Like now that I'm looking at it in this perspective, like since the Atlanta game, he has had four single digit scoring games to just two double digit scoring games. And that's, it's just tough to see. I, I don't, I wish I had like a solution for it too. You know, I was really liking what I was seeing at first. Ethan, I've kind of felt like he could create his own offense, but still when I'm saying he can create his own offense, I mean this, and this is what I was laughing at when you were talking earlier. Greg yeah. says he is just Derek Henry. And for any of you people listening or watching that may not be football fans, Derek Henry is a running back for the Tennessee Titans, or he was. He's actually probably going to go somewhere else this offseason. Besides the point, um, I believe was a Heisman winner at Alabama mm-hmm. um, and has just been a tank. Like For football running backs, usually guys as tall as him at like 6'2 and like 240 don't last. He's 30 years old and he's still going to be a hot commodity. But the bigger the bigger comparison there is that Derrick Henry is the type of guy who just he he just runs through people and mm-hmm. he just puts his head down. And that's kind of when you're talking about what's Keldon's go-to move, that's really it, you know. And so whenever earlier, you know, when he got moved to the bench, I was talking about how and when I say earlier, I mean like in past shows that we've done. Um, I was talking about how, you know, him barreling to the rim, you know, can kind of allow him to draw two and then, you know, maybe leave an open shooter, you know, um, and stuff like that. But, you know, the other thing that I'm thinking about here, Ethan, as I'm talking about this, whenever he was coming off the bench, teams didn't necessarily have game plans for him off the bench. But now that teams have time to zero in on the things that they were running off the bench, Mm -hmm. Um, that's probably what's affecting him in theory. It's great, but the whole draw two thing, you kind of, if they know what you're doing, you don't need to send another guy. Like if he's driving, right, what's he doing? He's going to lay it up with his right hand (laughs) or he's going to try and dunk it. So just clamp the left, put your hand up. No need to send a double. And he's not that great of a passer to make anything crazy happen out of it either. It hurts me to say that too, because I've been the biggest Kelton defender and I still hope he can pull something together and I think that part of the reason it maybe have been a struggle as of late Mr. Zach Collins who played slightly better is supposed to be like a hub kind of the guy for Kelton to play off of and he's he's he was hurt for like a week and a half and now he's back and he's been struggling a lot this season um so in the limited time we've seen them together neither have really been flourishing yet um so yeah you know what i'm hearing ethan Hmm. dominic barlow he fixes keldon it's (laughs) worth a shot (laughs) i don't know about that for sure but that is interesting that you do bring that up because i these well let's see when was zach's first game back i think it was the boston game yeah boston game i think i'm gonna just go double check here for us um no barlow got 21 so he did have a bad game 
one or two games ago. Like he hasn't been back that long. Yeah. It was last game. It was last game because Wemby was Wemby was out. Right? Or was it the first night of the back to back when Wemby was sitting out, we brought Zach back. I think that's what it was. Hmm. It might have been Washington. I th- I know he definitely was back in the Washington game. Barlow was back in the Hornets. This is so annoying. <laughs> Dude, I don't know where the sound is coming from. <laughs> why, don't, why don't we just do this? Let's click on Zach Collins, and then it'll show us his stats the last few games, and we'll see. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. He started in the Charlotte game. So even though Barlow played, Zach was there. Let's yeah. go to his game log, though. You're so right. Okay. So... Yeah, the last game he played in, he played in that Portland game? Okay, yeah, I guess so. So, yeah, his first game back was Charlotte. He played in both of the Mm back-to-backs. And if we go back to Keldon. He technically played okay against Charlotte. Keldon played okay against Charlotte, yeah. So that's with Zach. Um, Zach played okay, too. He had 16-4-4. But the other thing about that game is that was just a complete blowout overall. So it's like, where's this game log? What am I doing with my life, Ethan? (laughs) Okay. So in the first two, but you know, those are the, when you look at those opponents though, Ethan, you know what I'm saying? It kind of just, I know I'm not really speaking this out in the most, verbalized way but if for those of you who are listening on podcast we're seeing washington and charlotte obviously you guys on youtube can see what i'm talking about those are the past two games that were good that Keldon had with zach playing philadelphia and okc teams that are actually contending not so much and you know you could say oh well they're a team at the bottom of the league that's what's going to happen but the difference is Keldon and zach are two of the more experienced players on the team despite both being young Mm -hmm. Um, They're also two of the higher paid players on the team. And then on top of that, not to just keep hammering this point until death, Ethan, but like we had a close game against Chicago. We had a close game against Atlanta and we had a close game. We had close games against Memphis, Milwaukee and Cleveland. And I know Memphis is at the bottom of the league, but that was one of Jaws last games before he was announced to be out for the season. Um, So that makes that, you know, a little bit more of a difficult game. Um, and then those other two, it's just like, and, and obviously like looking at his game log, these aren't too terrible, um, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of leaning. I don't even know necessarily what I'm trying to say here, Ethan. <laughs> I think, I think you kind of get where maybe you can help me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're leaning in the, they're not playing well off each other. Is that what you're yeah. saying? That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like they, but, don't, they don't necessarily have an excuse for why they aren't. Yeah, and I think what I was getting at too with some of the other games, this is what I was getting at. It was it was Barlow. Though Barlow mm-hmm. was playing in those other games where, you know, um, Keldon was playing a little bit better. But you know, the the thing you could say about Barlow is that you know maybe if even if we throw him out there, I'm talking about this same thing, and we're gonna get to some of y'all's comments because I see a lot in there too. Um, but I was just making the point about, okay, now they have a game plan for Keldon and they slowed him down. Maybe that same thing would happen for Barlow. Um, but we did Maybe. see but we did see an extended kind of period of time too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not really sure where the truth lies on that one. Um, but the one thing I will say, and I think this is something that now that we've seen Zach back, um, even though it's still just four games, I do feel like our defensive rotations, even in the Washington game, the Philly game, and in, of course, the, the game last night against the Thunder, I think I think our defensive rotations were better with Barlow on the floor, on the bench unit. I do too. I, just, I think intensity was also better. And that's crazy to say because Zach's one of the most intense guys on the team. Um, but there was just something about those Barlow lineups, man. I don't know what it was. It, well, and, and let's talk about Zach more. Obviously, I was kind of talking about Keldon and talking about mm-hmm. them as a tandem off the bench, but to focus on Zach a little bit more. Um, and, and like you said, let me go back to his game log so we can pull that up. So the people can see. Um, even last night, dude, what do you think of his body language? 
Because that's another thing that's it, he seemed frustrated since he's came back. Is that just me? He seems a little defeated. Yeah, he, he's not playing with the same physicality. Like at the beginning of the year, he was really attacking guys on the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know this is a different team. Uh, we played obviously Embiid, uh, guys like Jalen Williams and, and Chet Holmgren on the OKC Thunder. Like he, he's not necessarily stronger than any of those guys but we still saw him attacking earlier in the year really throwing his shoulder into dudes and trying to trying to score in the low block and the past four games not so much or even when he does it's kind of ineffective he's kind of short arming a lot of hook shots and clearly his three-point shot has been missing the entire year so i i think he's just frustrated jude I mean, I don't think it's like frustrated with the Spurs. I think he's just mad at himself. Yeah, and he's had a changing role too. Um, and that's not necessarily to make excuses because he's one of the older guys on the team. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that, that that only adds to the frustration and, yeah. and him not being able to get in rhythm. Because when I'm looking at this, it's like, okay, really? The only good game that you've had is is the Charlotte game. Yeah. And like, still, we, we probably want more than four boards out of him there. And he had five fouls. I didn't watch that game. Um, so I don't have like a ton of analysis on that one. Um, I don't remember, to be honest. I, he's averaging nine, four, and three right now in the past four games with plus yeah. two turnovers. Is, okay. Is, 12 is and that- five throughout the season, but. Is shooting fifty-eight percent from the free throw line. No, I'm I'm just looking at a stat: thirty-eight percent from the field over the past four games, eighteen percent from three. What's the it's tough, season? man, because we know what he's capable of at his best. Like last year, that stretch after the All Star break, where he averaged basically seventeen, eight, and like five. Like we were literally talking, he's Sabonis light, and I still think he's that guy, but he's just really struggle busting it right now and i don't know what well, the dude look at this so i'm looking at the three-point shooting mm-hmm. he's taking more threes than he ever has in his career and he has his lowest percentage the teams are and leaving he, them wide open and exactly we've seen a drop off in boards too i mean it's not significant but it's still a drop off we have seen more uh, uh, one more assist, but I mean, like all of the things that we were very excited about with Zach coming into the year, we just unfortunately haven't seen it. AG1. And and like you said, um, kind of with Keldon, you know, it, it's not necessarily that I don't think he doesn't have that ability in him still, but. I mean, I don't want to make any big conclusion here, but there may be a chance that when you add in, you know, as we said at the beginning of the year, when you add in Victor, you know, everybody's leashes got a lot shorter. Let's put it that way. Um, And, you know, it might not necessarily, and and as I was saying, like it, it might not necessarily be that they're not capable of it. It just may be that in a different situation, they'd be able to, you know, showcase their skill set might be more applicable. Mm-hmm. I hate to put it that way, <laughs> you know. No, you're, you're not wrong. Listen, most of these guys came into this team before we knew we were getting Victor Wimbanyama. Um, and I, I, I'm not making any conclusions for anybody right now, but fit is extremely important. And Victor Wimbanyama is not going anywhere. So every player from this point, this season forward, it's not how well are you playing. It's how well are you playing next year. Are you complimenting Victor? I'm sorry. I keep nope. I keep getting uh I keep getting stuff in my ears, dude. ESPN no, good, keeps dude. blaring music. You're good. But like what I'm saying, like with Zach, we signed him thinking he was gonna be the starting center. Suddenly we have the best player ever in Victor mm-hmm. Wimpanyama. Clearly he plays center better than he does power forward, pushes Zach to the bench. Now he's our primary facilitator, second scoring option. Is that really his best fit? Um, only time will tell. I still think we need to give him maybe four or five more games before we say, like, okay, he's done. And, mm-hmm. and we replace him with Dominic Barlow. 
I agree. I completely agree. Um, and I'm sure if that ends up happening, you know, we're going to move Zach at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's interesting with his new contract. Um, but the other thing about that contract is like as much as it may seem if you're still living in the cap of 2018, which some ha- sometimes that happens, um, 14 million really isn't like that much. Um, yeah, it's, it's still not. a it's still a movable contract. But, you know, Mordecai brings up a good point here because he says we paid Zach. He's going to play unless we move him, I guess is what I would say. But I still understand with where he's coming from. That is true. Like, like, I don't think that like we're not if we don't trade Zach at the deadline, I don't think we're just going to start giving Barlow his minutes. Does that make sense? Yeah, I might just disagree with that, to be honest. No, I disagree with it, too. But I would say that. I think if we don't trade Zach at the that the deadline, the mm-hmm. Spurs are going to do that. That's I don't know about that either, to be honest really? with you. I, I I don't think Pop's that guy. Even Spurs though we gave him that extension, even, like, and if, what he said before last season, if he plays yeah. okay this poorly for the next couple weeks, even post All Star break, and Dominic Barlow's playing better, I mean. Blake Wesley and Malachi Branham's the example to your point. Yeah, I know Malachi's not getting that much more money than Blake Wesley. It's not exactly the same, but Don Barlow, you can make an argument, is a project player. We've been develop- developing him in house. If he's showing a higher upside, he's showing that we're pl- a better team. He's a better complement to Don Barlow or not to, to Victor Wembanyama. Um, I think Pop Pop would make that decision. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. I do see what you're saying there. Um, I wanted to bring up Dom's game log. Obviously, Dom's stats are never going to be crazy, but the one thing I am noticing here, like other than the Milwaukee game, which is ironic, he only got one rebound in the Milwaukee game because that's a game, when I look back on it, where I feel like we felt his interior presence, and maybe that's because of the two blocks and just contesting. Um, But still, on balance, I know there's four rebounds against Charlotte and and Boston. but when you look okay that's not what i was trying to do but from from atlanta down and even overall still like even though it's only five that he's averaging it's it's overall more than zach as of late it's a tough call man i mean there's arguments for both sides Um, i'm not even saying this to necessarily have like a definitive answer i just think that now, as we've seen Zach come back, this has become more of a legitimate conversation, you know, for sure. Um, and it kind of did feel like he had more of an impact just in the interior, whether that's defensive or fighting for boards. And, you know, another thing that that I noticed about Dom a lot is he'll tip out a lot, too. So even if he doesn't get the rebound on the stat sheet, um, there's a lot of extra opportunities that that I saw him create. But the, the bigger thing, I think, you know, we could talk about this forever, Ethan, but I think how we started this conversation and, and the reason that it does have merit, if you will, um, is because the difference between Zach and Dom's body language. That, I think, is the other thing. Not only just the defensive rotations that we mentioned earlier, but like, and I, I understand it's Embiid, and and we talked about this in the post game. Dom probably wouldn't have done much better, but there are just times, even in other games, where Zach's just like not even going for boards. And it's like I know Dom would be going for those boards, even yeah. though, even if there are some other deficiencies that would still be the same. If that makes sense, for sure. There's some intangible motor characteristics that are in question for Zach right now. Yeah, and I hate to say that. And and this kind of ties into the trade deadline. We won't spend too much time on this, but I, I think, you know, I, I don't know if Zach is necessarily a, a name to watch. Um, I think that would probably still be more Shetty and Doug just because mm-hmm. they're on expiring contracts and they're, you know, kind of obviously Shetty can do a lot with the ball in his hands, but they can be off ball players um, that can fit into most teams. Um those are the ones that we probably should watch uh, the most. But what are your, just give me your thoughts on the trade deadline, Ethan. Like, what's your outlook for it? Because I'm still like, are we, like, I'm wondering, like, are we really even going to do anything? Like, I know we have made a couple more moves over the past couple years, mm-hmm. which is why I think this is a legitimate conversation. But at the same time, 
and maybe we say this every year, but still, because it's the Spurs and it's RC and it's Brian Wright, I guess you could maybe exclude Brian Wright from this, but mm-hmm. because it's the Spurs and RC and Pop, um, it wouldn't surprise me if we just didn't make a single move. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we didn't make any moves, Jude. Um, that's just the way that we roll. <laughs> We've let so many players, even on expiring deals, just kind of play out their contract and walk away if they want to, shake their hands, thanks for the ride. So that wouldn't surprise me. Um, however, if we are in a trade, I don't think it will be a one-for-one, one, two-team trade. I think we're a three, three-team trade where we make the money work for the other teams and we end up acquiring like maybe a contract that nobody wants that's like absorb uh, i don't know like I, I remember the rumor about d'angelo russell a couple weeks ago that the atlanta hawks were looking for someone to absorb d'angelo russell's contract if they were to give up Dijon yeah. and send him to the lakers like something like that where we then also have to send doug or chetty to just to make the trade work i could see that happening i'm not so sure about a one-for-one like we did with uh, josh richardson or uh was Jakob a three-team trade? I think he was just a one-for-one one as well. I should know that, but I can't remember. Regardless, I think if anything happens at all, it'll be that situation. Another name that I forgot to mention in this also that you could probably watch is Devontae Graham. Yeah. I mean, that could be a one-for-one, one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> just for a couple of second-round picks. <laughs> we already technically got four with him. Yeah. Yeah, true. Oh, my gosh. Um yeah, I, I wish I had more um, analysis on the trade deadline, but like we just explained, I'm not really, you know, there's not like a ton of smoke. We have seen a little bit about Shetty and Doug, but that isn't really that surprising. Um, and it hasn't been specific either. It's just like they're on the block. It's like, okay, cool. Right. <laughs> but yeah. we don't know who's interested or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but. I don't want to have it both ways here, you know, because I could just sit here and say, oh, this could happen or this could happen. And those are the only two options. But at the same time, because it's the Spurs, I wouldn't be too surprised if we moved, you know, made some minor moves. Um, I don't think anything major is going to happen. That that will be my prediction. If we do make a move, it's going to be something minor where, you know, like like Jay Rich last year. Agreed. And one point real quick my dad just texted me uh he texted me last night actually he wanted me to make this announcement he thinks chetty osman looks like the character booger from the movie revenge of the nerds from the 80s and that's what he looks like (laughs) i got a text of course but that's what he looks like uh he wanted Does, me to mention that. I, I mean, I see the hair and the beard a little bit, but I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna be real with Papa Quintero. Uh, I don't see it in the face that much. He's got the the just like this light. I don't know. He's Turkish. This, that that guy. I was gonna say that guy's just not Turkish. <laughs> but I see the hair, the hair and the beard. I see for the sure. hair and the beard. Yeah, the yeah, frizziness for sure, for sure. Um, just to wrap up here, Ethan, and everything we kind of talked about, we haven't even previewed the Blazers or Minnesota, um, but we've kind of covered a lot here. I mean, we can mm-hmm. maybe get into that here in a second, but I want to kind of wrap up the Zach and mm-hmm. Keldon talk that we mentioned. Um, you know, I could try to come out with some long-winded like explanation to cover all my bases, but I think the bottom line is we got to see more out of those guys. Yeah. Agreed. Shout out to your dad. He says, love booger. <laughs> what a goat. Uh, also want to give a shout out to Hanover. He says, what's happening? SSPN crew, millennial media said he, he wasn't expecting any trades this, uh, this time. Um, but just to wrap this one up, Ethan, I already thought I was about to finish it, but then I realized we haven't even talked about the Timberwolves or the Blazers. Yeah. And considering that's in the title, I think we should do that. So, um, the Trailblazers game, hopefully we can get another win against those guys. It's at home. That should be competitive. I mean, that should be a bounce back opportunity. And then Minnesota, I know we kept it close with them earlier, but freaking cat had another crazy night on the same night that Joel did. I'm not really expect if, if they are competitive in the Minnesota game, I will be happily surprised, but really I'm just going to hope that they pull out that Portland game. 
I'm in the same boat as you. I'm expecting an Anthony Edwards uh, game against the Minnesota Timberwolves because I think he actually played pretty subpar last time. I think we yeah. were talking about how Jeremy did a great job defending Anthony Edwards and that it was Cat that really hurt us at the end of the day. I think it'll be a flip. You know, I have Anthony Edwards on my fantasy team, Ethan. It's always a win. And I play a type of fantasy where you just pick one game for the week. Ooh. And, and that's and that's, you know, what determines your score for that player. And take Dang. a wild guess which team I picked for Anthony Spurs. Edwards. Yep. Spurs. Yep. Smart pick. Unfortunately, I picked the Spurs when any of my players have them that mm-hmm. week. Very smart move. <laughs> But I didn't pick Corey Kispert against the Wizards. So, or not against the Wizards. Y'all know what I'm saying. So, bad Next dude. Time. Next bad time. Dude. <laughs> okay, so hopefully we can go one and one. Um, Zach and Keldon got to step it up. The Thunder game was bad. And maybe there are some minor moves at the deadline. That's that's this 50-minute podcast, Ethan, in a sentence. Wonderful summary, Jude. 10 out of 10. Any final thoughts from you before we end this one? Go Spurs, go. There's another thing that I didn't mention, Ethan. Oh, yes, and? Oh, yes! We have new merch. I'm really late on this, guys. I should have done this a long time ago. Um, But check out the new merch. We we added the new logo in there with the Hemisphere-inspired stuff. And the other thing that I noticed when I went on and I was putting all this in and selecting all the items and stuff like that, Ethan... There is some Adidas gear in there now. Now, yes, it is going to be a little bit more expensive, but that's because it's Adidas. And there's also some Under Armour gear in there as well. So if you want some SSPN Adidas or Under Armour dry fit shirts, stuff like that, go check it out. There's also some new hats. We got the like little drawstring hats that have the line right there. Um, some, some new stuff in there. So y'all go check it out if you want to support the show. That's just one way to do it. Sorry, I was pretending like I was in a box. <laughs> because you were in the middle? Yeah. Were you trying to were you trying to box us out, get a board? Trying harder than some people on our team were. <laughs> you were going exactly where I was going with that. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you guys hanging out. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Don't forget to hit the like and the subscribe button below to support the channel and if you want to stay updated with everything follow us on x or twitter whatever you want to call it at sspn on yt at jude mclaren and at ethan underscore quintero and once again go to sspn.myspreadshop.com if you want to get some sspn gear we appreciate y'all go spurs go see ya